And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a football Monday, October 27th, 2019. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. Thanks again for joining us for another edition. Big show to get to. We've got NFL, Major League Baseball World Series, as well as the Mets managerial search. And uh, the first week of the NBA is in the books. And although it is extremely early, the, uh, the outlook does not look particularly bright for the New York Knickerbockers. But we begin in the NFL with the Lions in what was really, let's call it what it was, a must win. Now we took last week off, didn't do a show last week. It was really, was, 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 was very disheartened after the Vikings game. Uh, Lions defense did not show up at all, got completely dominated every facet of the game by the Vikings. Vikings ran, wanted to run it, they ran it. Dalvin Cook had over 150 yards rushing. They wanted to throw it, they threw it. Kirk Cousins had 330 yards passing. Stephon Diggs, big day. Theline got hurt after his touchdown, didn't matter. Both the tight ends, Irv Smith Jr., Rudolph had big days. Literally, the Vikings got whatever they wanted. The Lions had no answer for him on defense, none. Now, Lions offense held, held, held up just fine. Stafford was great. Four touchdowns, 360 yards, Lions lose. Marvin Jones was great. Caught all four of those touchdowns from Stafford. Stafford's been great all year, by the way playing at an MVP caliber level. One guy has more touchdown passes than Stafford right now, Russell Wilson. Stafford's had 16 touchdowns, four interceptions this year. And two came in the game against the Chargers, the game they didn't, that they won, where Stafford led them for a drive late to get them that win. So, as usual, he's not the issue. The rest of the team, lots of issues. Uh, so they got rolled they didn't get rolled. Offense hung in there as long as it could. Defense could not get a stop at all. Justin Coleman, who had been off to a very good start, had a horrible game against the Vikings. He was awful again yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Slay got hurt in that game. Snacks Harrison got hurt in that game. Trey Flowers invisible in that game, as was most of the Lions defense. Jared Davis, as usual, out of position on every big run the Vikings had. All the issues that cropped up on defense came to a head in that Vikings game. So, okay, move on. And look, you know I killed Kirk Cousins on his team, on this show. I, I've never said he wasn't good. I never said he didn't put up big stats. He does. A lot of times, he makes soul-crushing plays in the fourth quarter. Lions had a chance to do that against him. They didn't do it. They, they rushed three guys and let him sit back there and have a cup of coffee. Plus, they ran play action to death, and because the Lions couldn't stop the run at all, the play action, shocker, was extremely effective, but anyway. So, didn't even feel like doing a show. After the whole Green Bay, I think I still had a, a hangover after the Green Bay game, frankly. And then, you know, losing in the way they did to Minnesota at home, I, I was exhausted. I, I was not into it. Uh, the World Series was not holding any interest to me at the time. Uh, I just wasn't into it. So we took a week off, and now we're back. So, look, Lions, you could say there's no it's not a must-win game. Yes, it was a must-win game for a couple of reasons. One, the division now is out of reach. Packers are 7-1. Vikings are 6-2. Um, Lions have lost to both of those teams already. Uh, thankfully, the Bears uh, obliged yesterday with a horrific home loss to the Chargers. They're 3-4 now. We'll get to that a little later as well. But the Lions sitting there 2-3-1, they needed the game. 
to try to keep pace and hang in for a wild card, which is going to be tough because the NFC's got a bunch of good teams in it. Seattle, San Francisco. Well, we'll get, we'll get to the playoff picture in a little bit. But, yes, it was a must-win for that reason, and also it's a home game. And then also the third reason, fortunately, the Giants aren't very good. Lions can't beat the Giants, this version of the Giants, at home, coming off a home loss to Arizona the week before, where the Giants were, eh, I don't want to say non-competitive, because the game was close, and Rose Asas missed a, a field goal in the fourth quarter, but some very poor play calling from uh, Pat Shermer. By the way, all my Giant fan friends, done with Pat Shermer. Justin, done with Pat Shermer. My buddy JB, done with, they're, they're done. Everybody's done. Done with Pat Shermer already. Not surprising, by the way. Never understood why he got the job in the begin, to begin with. But nevertheless. So, Lions needed that game. And look, they never trailed in the game. They got off to the good start. Jared Davis, the one thing, what did I say, I think, two weeks ago? The one thing he's good at. Blitzing, playing straight, and running fast in a straight line. That's it. Can't go side to line, sideline, can't shed blocks, can't cover anybody. But if he times the blitz well, he's good at that. Did it yesterday, forced the fumble. Saquon Barkley, uncharacteristically not aware, didn't go after the ball right away. Devin Kennard, Johnny on the spot, alert, picks it up, runs it in for a touchdown. Got off to the nice start. Stafford, great again yesterday. By the way, Stafford, 12 for 12 in the second half. Converted two touchdowns on third downs. One was on a third and 15, which was the 50-yard bomb to Marvin Hall. By the way, it's, I believe five catches for 200 yards this year. Pretty good average. Uh, Got to give Bob Quigan credit for that. That was a good find. I didn't think much of the acquisition at the time. He's been a very useful player. Obviously, they don't use him a lot, but he's good at doing one thing, which is catching the deep ball and lines. And Daryl Bevel, offense coordinator, give him credit for scheming up ways to get him free. So credit where credit's due there to the coaching staff and the GM. Stafford again, 12 for 12 in the second half. Lions were great on third down yesterday. I believe their average distance to go was like eight yards because the running game is non-existent. And it's not just about no carry on Johnson who is proving to be, my worst fears about him are proving to be true, which is A, He's going to be banged up all the time because of his running style, because he's not very big, about 212 pounds, but he runs like a guy who's 230. So he's hurt again now, out for the year again, two years in a row. He didn't even make it to the halfway point this year. And even when he plays, he's not all that good. He's not explosive. He's a kind of plodding between the tackles runner. You know, think Rodney Hampton, the old Giants back, but without the size. You know, he's not bad, but certainly not worth trading up into the second, in the second round to get. And had two huge killer plays this year that contributed directly to losses. Chiefs game, the fumble on the goal line, and the huge third down drop against the Packers. Which, yes, I understand they called it a catch on the field, and then, of course, they overturned it. I'm sorry, don't even put yourself in a position. Hang on to the damn ball. He was off to a horrible start this year. He, had a, he supposedly had a good game against the Chiefs, except for the fact that he kind of cost them the game with that stupid fumble on the goal line when he's lying on his back and just recklessly hand, put, reaches the ball out over the goal line to have it smacked out of his hands. So running game, a disaster. Someone named Trey Carson picked up off the Packers scrap heap, started the game, actually looked pretty good, and then the Lions decided to take, get him out of there 
And then they started with the running backs by committee and it proved to be highly ineffective. Lions had 59 yards rushing yesterday. So again, Stafford with no run game, shaky offensive line. I mean, this offensive line couldn't move anybody off the ball in the run game if their lives depended on it. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing how bad they are run blocking. And they held up okay pass blocking. They gave up four sacks. And one came late in the game. Stafford basically took a knee when they're trying to run clock out. Um, you know, it wasn't like he had constant pressure in his face all day. So they, 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 they you know, one came on a, on, a, on a corner blitz that the Giants tied up nicely. So the, the offensive line wasn't a disaster yesterday as far as the pass blocking was concerned. I mean, Stafford had a great game. He missed seven passes all day. One was a throwaway, one was a drop. And again, 12 for 12 in the second half. So at least the offensive line, other than week one against Arizona, when it was really bad at pass blocking, has held their own pass blocking. Even against the Vikings, it was actually pretty good. The pass blocking. The run blocking is still a major issue, but the pass blocking has been pretty good. Which is all I've ever asked for. I mean, I'd like the run blocking to be good, but at least the, at least the pass blocking is much better than it was last year. Put it that way. But the defense continues to have major issues. Look, I understand Daniel Jones is a top six pick. He's had some moments this year. He's also had some moments where he's looked decidedly like a rookie. Uh, he carved the lines up yesterday. Four touchdowns, 300 yards. Granted, one was a kind of a garbage time, late touchdown. Although, thank you very much. Back to our cover. Took the Giants six and a half. So we'll take that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, other than the play early in the game where he fumbled, you know, kind of threw the ball backwards, which counts as a fumble on the sack by Jared Davis, uh, Lions, you know, he had the fourth down play. Justin Coleman actually made a very nice play on covering Tate. Other than that, Tate had his way with him. Eight catches, 85 yards. Nice to see Golden back, by the way. And you could tell after the game, hugging it out with lots of players, players' kids, Staffers, line staffers are on the sideline. Uh, guy extremely well liked in Detroit. Was a great pro there. Gave us all he had. And I'm glad he's playing well for the Giants. I wish he was on a better team. Good dude, Golden Tate. But look, other than that play, that, that pass breakup, which was a big play because it was fourth down and that pretty much put the game away, Justin Coleman had a rough game yesterday. He was awful. Rashawn Melvin had a rough game yesterday. He had two touchdowns to Darius Slate. When he was right there, both times, couldn't make a play on the ball. Which, at least that part is somewhat encouraging. Because the 50-50 balls, you're not going to win them all. So at least Melvin was there in position to make plays. Justin Coleman, he's not, he's not anywhere near the ball all of a sudden. After playing great early. And yes, I understand he had a good game against the Chiefs. He also dropped what could have been the game-clinching interception in the end zone. And then I understand he supposedly played great against the Packers. He had the interception when it bounced off the guy's face mask at the goal line. But then he also led up the touchdown to Alan Lazard. He's struggling. They need Darius Slay back, particularly this week against the Raiders. And this game against the Raiders is not going to be easy. I know for some reason Lions beat writers seem to think, and the Lions fans, judging by Twitter, which is a stupid thing to do, I understand, but somehow feel that this is like, you know, uh, going to be a layup? No. I watched a lot of that Raiders-Houston game yesterday. Raiders actually had talent on that team. 
particularly a good tight end, which, as we know, if you're a Lions fan, gives the Lions fans, oh, uh, Lions fans, gives the Lions fits. I'm surprised Evan Engram didn't have a bigger game yesterday, frankly. But Josh Jacobs can run it, the Raiders running back. Ty Williams, good receiver. Starting to get Hunter Renfro into the mix now. Raiders look like they can rush the passer a little bit. Not a terrible team. They've got some talent over there. Now, the secondary is not great. And if they'll, if they'll give staff a time, you should have a field day, actually, against that secondary. But, you know, he's also due to have a bad game here, one of these games. I don't want to hear about Green Bay in the second half, you know, again. And I don't want to hear it. Got a 60-yard pass interference penalty. Would have set him up for a score that they, the refs decided to not throw a flag on. And carry on Johnson dropped a huge play on third down. Trey Flowers at least showed up yesterday at back-to-back -back sacks. Now, granted, against Nate Solder, one of the more disappointing uh, free agent signings in Giants history. So, so isn't it amazing how this works, right? Played for the Patriots. Was a very questionable pick coming out of Colorado, right? Big, tall guy. Lots of people very wondered about you know, could he hold up? Could he bulk up? Maybe too tall for the position. Somehow it worked for the Patriots. Of course, since he's been on the Giants, he's not been good. And got a huge contract. And of course, the Patriots let him walk because that's what the Patriots do. Trey Flowers, nice player for the Patriots. Good, solid player. Nothing spectacular, but a good, solid player. Gives you a little pass rush, six, seven sacks a year. Good run defender. Obviously knows the defense because he played for Patricia in New England, but the Lions decided to give him $90 million. And he basically was non-existent other than the two horseshit penalties that got called against him in the Green Bay game. You wouldn't even know he was on the field. Wouldn't even know. At least he showed up yesterday with back-to-back -back sacks. One was a strip sack that luckily for the Giants, the ball bounced right back to Daniel Jones. Or else if the Lions recovered, it's game over there too. So at least he showed up again a little bit yesterday. Deshaun Hand finally played his first game. Rookie from last year. Second-year player, kid out of Alabama, had a nice rookie year last year. He showed up, had a batted pass, made some tackles in the run game. He looked easy. Actually, the Lions' run defense was not terrible yesterday. Held Barkley to 64 yards on 19 carries. That's not bad. He killed him in the passing game, but they did a decent job on him in the run game, at least. And a lot of those 64 yards he got on second effort alone, he broke a million tackles. God, is he good. But I don't feel after yesterday like, okay, here we go. Lions are poised to go on a roll now. Not at all. Now, can they beat the Raiders? Yeah, of course they can be. They can beat them. Um, but, you know, you're the Raiders. They're three and four. Chiefs lost again. They're five and three. Uh, Raiders don't, they're, they're not, not going to just lay down. Lions are going to have to play well next week. This Sunday, rather, to beat the Raiders. You have to play well. You know, the schedule supposedly lightens up now, right? After the rough gauntlet they went through to start the season. But, you know, unless you're playing like the Jets or the Dolphins uh, or the Bengals, I mean, there are no layups. 
And by the way, even ask the Cowboys, right? They somehow managed to lose to that Jets team. That is an absolute dumpster fire, and we'll get to them in a minute too. So the Lions' only hope of making the playoffs now is the wild card. And I don't want to hear it. The Lions don't make the playoffs this year. Adios, Bob Quinn. Adios, Matt Patricia. And you can tell me I'm being rash. You got to give Patricia more time. Uh, Patricia has not shown me enough for me to think that this, that he gets to get another year. All right? His in-game clock management issues are still, still exist. He has not been able to scheme up stops when a team needs stops. I mean, look, if the Lions get off the field on fourth and eight against the Chiefs, and if the Lions don't piss away the fourth quarter against Arizona, forget about Green Bay, okay? Forget about that. That was the refs. But Arizona and the Chiefs both could have been wins. And now instead of 3-3-1, three, three and one, you're 5-2. And, and, in, and in obviously a much better position. But look, the NFC, you're going to have to go with Seattle. You're going to have to deal with the Rams, Carolina. Uh, let's see. Let's go. Let's take a look right now. Philly's 4-4, four and four, but Lions have a tiebreaker against them because they beat them. And, you know, look, there's still eight games left. Philly could completely collapse. Who knows? Although they're looking to go for it. They're trying to make trades. They just traded for Gennard Avery from the Browns, hybrid defensive end outside linebacker, pass rusher, which the Lions could have used. I'm glad they have no interest. Um, but you got the Vikings at 6-2 and two, and the Packers at 7-1. and one. So you think one of those two teams – barring some catastrophic injuries, are going to make the wild. One's going to win the division, one's going to be a wild card team. You've got the Saints at 7-1. Panthers are 4-3. Okay. And then you've got San Francisco at 7-0, and, oh, and the Seahawks at 6-2, and, and the Rams at 5-3. and three. So, I mean, Lions got a tough road to hoe. Now, look, eight games is a lot. A lot can happen the second half of the season here. But, I mean, the Lions got What? What are they now? Three, three, and one. So they played seven games. So they've got uh, nine games left. They're going to have to probably win at minimum six of those nine, probably seven. And that might not even assure them a playoff spot. But I don't want to hear it. Look, Bob Quinn had a luxury that every GM in the world would have leapt at. And that is, he came into a situation with a ready-made star quarterback. The hardest position in sports to find. And it was already there for him. He didn't have to... Look at, look, I mean, look at what these other teams are going through right now. Look at the Jets. They thought they had their guy in Sam Darnold. The last two weeks, there's no way you can think that. Now, I understand the coach is a disaster. And I don't understand why they hired him to begin with. And there's not a lot around... Him. He's got a bad offensive line, not very good receivers. They have a great back in Le'Veon Bell, but somehow they have no idea how to use him. I mean, the Jets are just a mess. But look at that. Look at the Jets with Darnold. Look at Tampa Bay. They thought they had their guy in Jameis Winston. That was four years ago only, 2015. He stinks. Puts up big numbers. They never win. He throws... Tons of interceptions at the worst possible time. Although they got screwed royally in that game yesterday, by the way. 
They had a, they had a, a fumble recovery for a touchdown. That, of course, the refs blew the play dead when they shouldn't have. Again, and Aaron's went nuts after the game, and good for him, he should have. Look at Tennessee. The other star was supposed to be Mar Marcus Mariota, same draft as Winston, right? They went one and two. Mariota already got benched. Now, I'm not saying he might not come back and have a decent career. He's still young enough, but he certainly has not been a franchise guy. Certainly has not had a career Matt Stafford's had. Remember, Matt Stafford got drafted by a team that was the first team in the history of the NFL to go 0-16, and they were 2-4, and four, and they were... 1-7 in the second half of the season the year before they went 0-16. So they were really 1-23 in 24-game span. And by 2011, they got drafted in 0-9. By 2011, that team was in the playoffs. Look at all these other teams that think they... they, they, think they look at the Browns. Mayfield looked great last year in, in, in a shortened season. Browns are a disaster. I watched that game yesterday. It's the worst coach team I've ever seen. Freddie Kitchens is a horror show. Six false starts. Browns lead the league in penalties. They had a lineman kick the ball out of Nick Chubb's hands. And, of course, ends up in uh, Hightower's hands for a return for a touchdown. On 4th and 11, late in the game, he, decide, he doesn't know if he wants to go for it or, or punt. So he gets a delay a game, then it's 4th and 16, then he puts, the he puts the offense back out on the field. Sends the punt team out on 4th and 11, takes a delay a game penalty, because they're only down one timeout. Oh, why? Because like a moron, he challenged two pass interference calls that you know are never getting overturned. Because the refs have decided they're not overturning them, and especially against the Patriots. Now, was he trying to prove a point that they were terrible calls to begin with? Because they were. They were both awful calls, of course. But guess what? You can't coach that way. Fans can get emotional like that and get angry. Coaches can't do that. And what point are you proving? That you're going to waste timeouts? I mean, the Browns actually move the ball on the Patriots. Then Nick Chubb rips off the 60-yard run, and of course he fumbles at the end. Six full starts yesterday. Six! They had an offsides on a punt! <laughs> They're off the field. They held up. They finally, defense finally, this is when the game was still close. They get a big stop on third down. It's th the fourth and four. Browns offsides on a punt. You know, the only other team I've seen do that, you guessed it, the Detroit Lions, when Rod Marinelli was the coach. Amidst that stretch where they went one and seven down in the back half of the year when they started six and two and then went on, on, on luck and fairy dust. They scored a bunch of defensive touchdowns and special teams touchdowns the first eight games of that season and then collapsed in the second half and went one and seven. But, I mean, think about that. Six false starts lined up off sides on a punt that gives the Patriots another set, fresh set of downs. Of course, Patriots scored. Take a delay game penalty on fourth and 11 with your punt team out there and then decide to put your offense back on the field on fourth and 16. Of course, Mayfield got sacked. They're the most penalized team in the league. It's not even close. They have 70 penalties. Those are accepted, by the way. Just 70 accepted penalties. They've been called for more that haven't been accepted. Baker Mayfield tries to shovel pass, throws a right to a defensive lineman on the Patriots. Their version of the butt fumble. I mean, they are a mess. You know, now you got, you know, Mayfield questioning everything. Sorry, Baker. Freddie Kitchen was your guy. Revisionist history, uh, Freddie Kitchens was not the coach last year. Greg Williams was, when the Browns actually looked like an NFL franchise. They gave him no consideration. 
Freddie Kitchen was a running back coach, got promoted to coordinator last year, and then got promoted now to head coach. What's exactly his resume? And I'm not saying, ba listen, I was a big Baker Mayfield guy. I was the biggest, ba big, biggest Baker Mayfield guy. And I'm not saying, and look, and, and they've done him a massive disservice by putting a poor offensive line in front of him. I mean, remember, he's a short guy. You got to give him space and lanes to throw to. You know, Greg Robinson, a left tackle, ain't cutting it. I've said it before, I'll say it again. But I mean, they look like one of the worst coach teams in the league. Completely undisciplined. Dumb mistake after dumb mistake. Now let's get to the Jets. I mean, you know, the game against the Patriots was, was, was entirely predictable, the Monday night embarrassment. Yesterday against Jacksonville, I mean, look, I understand, and, and, and give Gardner Minshew credit. I mean, the guy, guy seems to have, have a little magic going. He's a rookie, six-round pick, Washington State. Usually those guys do not pan out in the pros. See Falk, Luke, <laughs> the Jets had playing games when, when Darnold was recovering from mono. Uh, because, you know, they're products of the system, right? The air raid system. Texas Tech first is where Mike Leach was in Washington State the last years. You know, you don't have to have a big arm. You put up lots of yards. But this Minshew looks like he can play. But, I mean, the Jets led him just to do whatever he wanted against them yesterday. It was ridiculous. I mean, aren't the Jets supposed to have some semblance of a defense? Although, you know, no C.J. Mosley, of course. Guy looked great in the first game of the year. Now he's been hurt ever since. They just traded Leonard Williams to the Giants. Another bust of a pick for the Jets. Uh, Jamal Adams did not have a particularly strong game yesterday. Jets offensive line's a mess. I, I, I think I had that all the way back in preseason. I told you I did not like that offensive line. They had the whole Kelechi Osemele fiasco. The guard that they traded from for the Raiders, who you know used to be a stud when he was on the Ravens, got a huge contract from the Raiders, didn't play very well there, has been hurt, had a shoulder injury. The Jets insisted he could play. Not only could he not play, he had surgery. And then when they did the surgery, he was way worse than they even thought. And why would you think a player's lying about getting surgery? So the Jets finally cut him, but why would you think a guy's lying? You think guys want to get surgery? Of course not. It's ridiculous. Jets are a complete embarrassment of an organization. And now they, you know, they, they, they kept McCagnan around to mess up the draft again. Then they fired him because Gase, I guess, didn't like him. As if Adam Gase has any resume. He was mediocre as hell in, 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 in uh, Miami. Oh, because he was Peyton Manning's quarterback's coach? Please, give me a break, Adam Gase. This guy's Richie Kotite all over again. So they hired Joe Douglas from the Eagles. At least that guy's got a track record. At least the Eagles have been one of the better drafting teams now for the last 20 years, right? They won a Super Bowl. The guy's got a track record. Let this guy run the show. And if he deems that he don't want Adam Gase here and wants him to be one and done, fine. Get him out. He's doing nothing with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's getting worse, not better. And go get a real coach in here. And stop being a laughing stock in the NFL, New York Jets. It's ridiculous already.
Speaking of which, you know, they could have Teddy Bridgewater, but nope. And he was just fine as a fill-in for the Saints as he went 5-0. and Drew Brees came back yesterday. A lot of people thought, why would you even do that? It's the Cardinals. Give him another week. And Brees, of course, comes in, throws 300 yards. Saints, after looking a little sluggish early, roll to a win there. Saints, by the way, are tremendous. And it's not just Drew Brees in that offense anymore. I mean, they didn't they they met Alvin Kamara the last two weeks. Latavius Murray seamlessly steps in, has monster games back-to-back -back for them against the Bears in Chicago, went in and pounded the Bears, and then beat the Cardinals yesterday. Not that the Cardinals are great, but nevertheless, took care of business. What was the final in that game? Uh, I think 30-9 to nine or something like that. It's too, it's too much for ESPN to, to, to give me all the scores in a simple, easy-to-read place, of course. The worst website ever. I don't know why I continue to use it. 31-9. It was, it was 10-6 at the half, and then the Saints poured it on in the second half. Breeze, 373 yards, three touchdowns. Murray, 100 yards on the ground, 50 yards in the air, two touchdowns, one receiving, one rushing. Michael Thomas, a huge game. But the other thing is that Saints defense is really good. It's not the old days where the offense has to carry that team. It's been, been getting good for a couple of years now, and it's just legit really good. Saints, Saints probably most complete team in the NFC. I know everybody's big on the Packers now because they, they went and beat Kansas City yesterday in Kansas City. Of course, no Mahomes. And Matt Moore didn't play badly, actually, for the Chiefs. You know, Aaron Rodgers, another ridiculous touchdown pass. The ball is thrown away. Somehow managed to be a touchdown in the back corner of the end zone. 49ers put a pounding on the Panthers. But I'll tell you, all those high draft picks on that defensive line that they've been making over the years are certainly starting to pan out now. Whether it's Buckner or Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, uh, Ronald Blair, and now, of course, Nick Boza with a monster game yesterday. Three sacks, made an interception. Uh, Garoppolo didn't even really have to do much. Tevin Coleman had a huge game. Panthers were, looked lost yesterday. 51-13, Niners all over them. That Niners defense is legit. And their offense makes enough plays. Now, they haven't really played a tough schedule. Panthers were really probably the first decent team they've played so far this year. But again, it's also the Panthers without Cam Newton. I mean, the Patriots have played nobody. I mean, particularly before yesterday. I mean, the Patriots, the quarterbacks the Patriots played against this year. Well, you know what? Let's go to it right now. And everybody's raving about their defense. They played against Mason Rudolph, right? Because Roethlisberger got hurt in that game. They played against Josh Rosen, the Dolphins. Dolphins have no wins. Jets have one win. Steelers have two wins. Played against the Bills, Josh Allen, who is still far from a uh, finished product. Played against the Redskins, I think it was Colt McCoy. Redskins have one win, and their one win was against the Dolphins. They beat the Giants, rookie quarterback. They beat the Jets, Luke Falk. I mean, they played nobody. They played some of the worst offenses in football. Giants are probably the best team that they've played so far. 
and that's a rookie quarterback. And it was, of course, oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was in uh, Jersey, right? I think it was. Yeah, it was. No, no, no. They were home. It was a home game, of course. Of course, it was. National TV. The Patriots don't have to play national TV games on the road, unless it's against a horrible team like the Jets. But the Pats' path to the Super Bowl is pretty much all but guaranteed. Because, of course, now the Chiefs have no shot at getting home field advantage, right? Because they've got, uh, you know, they've they been playing these games without Mahomes. They've, they're now down to five and three, right? Um, nobody else in the AFC is, I mean, certainly nobody in their division because the Patriots never have any challenges in their division ever since Tom Brady's been there. Certainly never have a good quarterback in that division, never have a decent team. One year, you know, there's a couple years when Rex Ryan was with the Jets, and, they, and the Jets actually beat the Patriots. When the Jets had a really good defense and a decent running game, and Sanchez was good enough. But, I mean, the, the Ravens, well, we'll see. They play the Ravens next week. The rest of that division stinks. Pittsburgh's 2-4. and four. Had to play a third-string quarterback already. Browns were already talked about. The Bengals are 0-8. Awful. Colts, I mean, not a bad team. They're not beating the Patriots in Foxborough. Texans, I mean, I love Deshaun Watson. They've got some great weapons on offense, but J.J. Watt, out for the year. Best, best player on defense, out for the year, and they already traded Clowney. You know, Jacksonville... They're back in the mix a little bit of four and four Tennessee. Neither of those teams are beating the Patriots in, in Foxborough. And then you got the Chiefs, Chargers three and five. You know they they they, they had a good team last year and then they were non-competitive against the Patriots. And you got the Chiefs. I mean maybe the Chiefs could win in Foxborough. They're fully healthy. Maybe they could. I'm not going to give up on them yet. But right now it already looks like the Patriots' path to another Super Bowl is pretty much all but assured. NFC big, much different. Saints, Packers, 49ers, Vikings, Seahawks, all legit. Niners I'm still taking a wait-and-see approach on. That defense obviously looks like it's for real. Still not necessarily sold on that offense. But they may not need to have a great offense. Defense is going to play like that. I mean, those guys up front are just wrecking the game. They're wrecking the game. I mean, poor Kyle Allen had no shot yesterday. None. I mean, Bosa himself practically wrecked that game. They've drafted really well on defense in San Francisco the last few years. And remember, that's, that's without Reuben Foster, who they dumped... And without the Borland kid who retired after one or two years, who was a stud, the linebacker from Wisconsin. Right? But uh, the Ward kid from BYU has filled in more than admirably a middle linebacker. He's been great. And they've got good guys in the secondary. Including Akilah Witherspoon. So, you know, We'll see. Niners still got to play tough schedule. Still early. I understand we're about a halfway mark here. Some teams have played seven games. Some teams have played eight. A uh, lot can happen the second half of the year. Look, I've seen the Lions be six and three, and I thought it was going to be clear sailing, and they didn't make the playoffs. I've seen the Lions be 
nine and four and then lose out and be a wild card team. So, uh, you know, schedule means a lot in the NFL. Obviously, you've got the real have-nots. I mean, the Broncos are awful at two and six. Bengals are awful at 0 and eight. Browns are reeling at two and five. Dolphins 0 and six. Jets 1 and six. Washington's 1 and seven. Falcons are 1 and seven. I mean, yikes. So it'll be interesting. The trade deadline's tomorrow. The Lions need a running back in the worst way, and they need a pass rusher in the worst way. There's been talk that Yannick Ngonkwe, my guy from Maryland, stud from Jacksonville, wants a contract. They're not going to give him one. He wants out of there. Uh, if I don't care if the Lions, the Lions gave, him a, gave up a first-round pick next year, I'd say fine. The guy is a major stud playmaker. He's a game wrecker. The Lions don't have one of those on defense. Guy forces fumbles. He gets sacks. He'd be energized. New environment. Give him a contract. That's fine. Bob Quinn's drafting and all that great anyway. I don't need him to waste picks like he's done on busts like Jared Davis and Tease Tabor. And Gonkway's still young. I would love that. And there was talk of getting Rashad Penny from Seattle. Look, uh, I loved him coming out of the draft. He was probably my favorite running back. It has not worked out for him so far in Seattle. Got out to a slow start because he was injured. And then Chris Carson has been great for them, so they haven't really needed him. Uh, they even have Procise. They had McKissick, who now the Lions have. So they've always had a bit of a crowded backfield over there. Uh, if the Lions didn't have to give up much to get him, I'd be thrilled. Thrilled. Same thing. Could be a classic change of scenery guy. We'll see if the Lions think that they're really in it and do something here. You know, they traded Quandre Diggs last week. Which, you know, and then of course Tracy Walker now got hurt against the Giants, their other safety, their other starting safeties. The Lions could very well be minus both their starting safeties this week against the Raiders. And they traded Quadra Diggs for a fifth round pick. Now I understand Quadra Diggs is off to a slow start. It's a guy who played a lot of good football for the Lions, who's still only 26 years old. And if we're going to go by four bad games, then what the hell is Jared Davis still doing on the team? <laughs> All right, we'll take a short break. I'll be back with the World Series right after this. Sports, and we are back. So, World Series. Nats go up 2-0. Dominant fashion, right? Scherzer dominant, Strasburg dominant. They run Sanchez out for game three. Goes back to Washington. You know, obviously I'm going to sound like a second guesser here, and I didn't do a show last week, but you're going to have to just trust me on this one. I thought that it actually played well for Houston because Nationals better hitters park. I mean, sorry, pitchers park. Houston's a much better hitters park. And I think the DH helped the Nationals because they could add an extra bat. The Astros don't need that extra bat as much as the Nationals do. Not the Nationals lineup is bad, it's good. But they could withstand that loss and, you know, you've seen what's happened. I mean, the Nationals have now completely, I mean, the Astros have dominated these last three games, dominated. Cole was great last night. Verlander, they got a great start out of the Urquidy the other night. Five shutout innings, big hits late. They're, they're hitting home runs there too. 
Jordan Alvarez with a big home run last night to get them on the board 2-0. Now, Nats definitely got hurt because Scherzer couldn't pitch last night because he's got that neck issue. And he could barely lift his arm, apparently. So they had to go with Joe Ross, who wasn't terrible, by the way. I mean, it wasn't great. But I think if he would have told you in an emergency spot start in the World Series, he gave you five passable innings and didn't completely wreck the bullpen and kept you in the game. It was 4-1 or something like that. Yeah, you would have taken it. But again, the Nationals should be a very, not a cautionary tale, it should be a tale of hope for the Mets, which is really good starting pitching and a good lineup, even if your bullpen is just passable, can get you into the playoffs, and then anything goes once you get in the playoffs, particularly if you have two hot starting pitchers. And the Mets could certainly do that with, you know, DeGrom and or Syndergaard. I mean, we saw it. That was the formula in 15. But the big news in baseball, as far as I'm concerned, is the fact that the Mets let Joe Girardi go to the Phillies to be their manager. And the Mets, of course, are continuing their clown show interview process. Now they're interviewing some guy from the, from, uh, the Padres. And, uh, I mean, listen. The, the, it's either Eduardo Perez or Carlos Beltran. All first-time guys. No one with experience which just smacks of two things. A, the Wilpons don't want to pay, and B, Brody Van Wagner wants a puppet who he can tell who to put in the lineup every day. And if that's what they're going to do, I mean, it, it, honestly, it begs the question, why even bother rooting for this team anymore? And I said it before. I'm okay if you want to go with a first-year guy. They've been good first-year guys. There have been a lot of managers that, you know, sometimes it's their first year. And you got to start somewhere, and they turn out to be a good hire. George Rorty was a first-year guy once upon a time, right? He managed the Marlins. Terrible team, terrible owner, manager of the year. Then the owner didn't like him. They got rid of him. He went to the Yankees. The Yankees said, thanks. We'll take 10 years of winning, including a World Series. Thank you very much. And being relevant every year and in the playoffs, I think, what, eight out of the 10 years, nine out of the 10 years? So with that guy right here with that resume in this market who dying for the job wanted the job and the Mets passed ridiculous utterly and thoroughly ridiculous so now Derek Shelton the bench coach from the Twins is one of the guys look of all the guys that are left. I think Eduardo Perez makes the most sense. He's actually been a bench coach before. He's got the pedigree as being Tony Perez's kid. He's managed in the minor leagues. Yes, he's been an announcer for the last however many years, four or five years. But when I hear him, he actually sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I think he would relate well with the players. I think he's got some instant credibility. That would be the guy to me. I don't want Carlos Beltran. I understand he's been an advisor for the Yankees the last couple of years. Everybody says how smart he is and all of that. I just, it just, to me, that reeks of a PR move, right? Typical half measure. 
Like, let's try to placate the fans by high, making a splashy name hire and doing what the Yankees did, which was hiring Aaron Boone, who had no managing experience either. And he was an, annou and he was an announcer. Uh, and look, Aaron Boone's proven to be a pretty good manager. Should have never pitched to Altuve, but okay. He's allowed one misstep. He's done a good job. Not, not, don't know that he's been any better than Girardi would have been. In fact, they say he wouldn't. He hasn't been. But it's just, again, Girardi was a no-brainer hire of the century. And, of course, you know, leave it up to the Mets to ma manage to mess it up. A gift fell into their laps, and they refused to take it. It's just infuriating. All right, finally, we'll finish up with some NBA. Look, I know it's three games, but the Knicks look awful. Absolutely awful. They've played well at times, right? They played well at times against the Spurs, lost the game. Okay, in San, in San Antonio, no great shame there. Not that the Spurs are not a vintage, this is still, again, not a vintage Spurs team, but they still have some good players. DeRozan's a good player, Aldridge's a good player. Okay. But the same problems persist. The Knicks don't have a point guard. Okay, so when these games are close late and the Knicks need somebody to make a play and get somebody a good shot, they have no chance. And Fizdale can't draw up a play to save his life. He has, he's under the misapprehension that Julius Randle is some sort of a point forward. He's not. He's a ball hog who pounds the ball into the ground. He's a lefty Carmelo Anthony. He's going to put up nice numbers. They're going to mean nothing. See, this is the problem with the Knicks. Other than the fact that they don't have a point guard and a coach doesn't know what he's doing, Every guy on their team is the best guy on a bad team guy. Marcus Morris, best guy on a bad team guy. Julius Randle, best guy on a bad team guy. Bobby Portis, best guy. These guys have all put up numbers other places, but they've all been on bad teams. The only guy who's been on a decent team is Marcus Morris, and he's a bench player. That's what he's, he's fine on the Celtics for 22 minutes a night coming off the bench, but the Knicks are counting on him to be like the guy. The only bright spot has been R.J. Barrett has actually looked much better than I thought. He's shot it much better than I thought. I mean, it's early. Again, it's three games. But he's 7 for 14 from three so far. And he looks like he can get to the basket. And he's big and he's got the NBA body. And he plays hard. So he looks like he's going to be a good player. And Mitchell Robinson, if he could ever stay out of foul trouble, is a good, is, you know, shot blocker, rebounder extraordinaire. But Dennis Smith Jr. has looked awful. Frank Milikina just is not out, is just flat out not any good. So I, I don't need to see him getting more extended minutes. He's not any good. He's just not. He can't shoot. He can't get to the basket. He can't penetrate. He doesn't set guys up. He does nothing. He doesn't break down a defense. He does nothing. He's an okay defender because he's 6'5 with long arms. But he's not even all that great at defense either, by the way. I've seen smaller, quicker point guards beat him off the dribble constantly. Cut your losses and get rid of him, please. And then Alfred Payton is, is, a, is a quintessential backup point guard in the NBA. Can't shoot, plays decent defense, he's an okay penetrator, but he's not really a scorer and he can't shoot. And Dennis Smith Jr. has looked atrocious. Now, it's come out that his stepmother just died, he was hurt in preseason, you know, maybe it's a combination of having a heavy heart and being rusty is why he's looked so bad so far. 
And, you know, condolences to him. I feel bad for him. It's sad that he has to deal with that. But he's their only hope. I mean, if he's not going to be any good, I mean, the Knicks have no shot at even winning 30 games. None. None. You can't win without a point guard. You can't. It's like trying to be a good defense against the run and not have a middle linebacker. I mean, you, you, you can't have it. Now, again, it's three games. I don't want to go crazy, but... Uh, you know, the game against the Nets, they were right there. They could have won. You know, Fisdale goes with R.J. Barrett at point guard. Again, Dave, coach, he's not a point guard, okay? I understand you don't like your other options, but uh, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice there. You know, Alonzo Trier is not a point guard. He's a scorer. He's a gunner. And when he's hot, you ride the hot hand, which they did against the Nets. He got them back in that game. He was lights out. I think he was five for five from three. And so we tried to pair the backcourt with Trier and Barrett, but Trier never passes. I mean, talk about a black hole. I mean, he's ridiculous. He makes uh, World Be Free look like uh, Ricky Rubio. I mean, it's unbelievable the way this guy never passes the ball. Randall's a ball hog. Marcus Morris is a ball hog. I mean, the whole team's a bunch of ball hogs. Bobby Portis is a black hole. He gets the ball, the shot's going up. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, unfortunately, I think the Knicks are in for, and their fans are in for another really long year. I hope I'm wrong, but, and again, I know it's only three games, but the early returns are not promising. All right, that's going to do it. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, peace out.